Oh, uh, you know what I was laughing about the other day, Connor? What? You know how I was talking about that our uh, volume differences are so uh, unequal in the podcast first season? Yeah. Well, part of that is because you talk like three times as loud as I do. <laughs> when we were sitting at, at Ezell's the other day, it was like, you were at like volume 10 and I felt like you were shouting at it's me. It's hereditary. <laughs> but I was like, oh, that's right. I mean, that's, that's par for the course. Welcome to the We Rank Things podcast, a podcast where two lifelong friends reveal and discuss their personal top 10 rankings for various subjects. I'm Connor. And I'm Matt. And today we are going to be talking about our top 10 favorite TV shows. But first, Matt, what are you drinking? Uh, Tonight I am drinking a beer called Mischief from the brewery out of California, Southern California. One of the only... um, Long time great breweries in the LA area, in my personal opinion. It's a uh, hoppy Belgian style ale, which mainly means that most people will go, Ugh, I don't like Belgians. But it's mm. uh, it's golden, it's delicious, it's a little tiny bit bitter and a little yeasty, but very, uh, very hearty beer. Really a, a good solid thing to go along with some awesome TV shows. What are you drinking? Nice. You know, I'm getting wild and crazy on a Thursday night with a Diet Coke. Oh, bullet, mixing buddy. it up. Yeah. Mixing up your caffeine intake. Nice. Well, uh, I'm a little curious what you your metrics were for this, because we're talking about favorite TV shows. That can mean so many different things. I was thinking, like, there's comedies, there's the drama stuff, the, like, touted Emmy Award-winning things. But... It could also be like cult classics and things that are really kooky or something that like just really appeals to you personally. Um, And I was kind of curious if you were looking a lot at things like writing and cinematography, how it just makes you feel. Does rewatchability, if that's a word, come into play? Like what are the what are the key things that help you decide what's on your list? Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I think I didn't I didn't necessarily factor in like cinematography i think writing naturally gets factored in because um you know storylines or even comedy writing but i do i do have a mix of styles of shows um well i mean there's probably going to be at least one thing on my list that is not well written but i love it anyways oh i've got i guess yeah i've got the same i mean it's it's a it's a pretty (laughs) wide range of like programming here but um for the most part it was just what what I enjoyed the most, what kind of some of them was more like what I enjoyed in the moment the most. And some of it was like rewatchability is, is huge. I think that most of my, like a good portion, probably more than half of my list is great rewatchability, but you know, we'll, we'll be, we'll be the judge of that for the moment. And we'll let the vast audience we have be the judge of that ultimately. 
Yeah. And it's funny because before this, before we started recording this, you and I were talking about the Goodreads app. And um, <laughs> it this actually translates pretty well. My A coworker of mine was encouraging me to get on Goodreads. We, we've, during the pandemic, actually even before the pandemic, but the pandemic has definitely um, amplified things. We, we've had some... It gives like, you more free time, right? Well, we've had we've had a lot of uh, like um, inner office book clubs going on, right? Mm. So he was telling me, "Hey, get on Goodreads. It's a great place to, you know, see what other people in the office are reading and things like that." And I, I kind of laughed and told him, "You know, I've always been a little bit, uh, I guess, self conscious of Goodreads because I've always felt guilty about not having read a lot of the classics, you know, uh, yeah, and yeah. like being judged for that." And I will say like, when it comes to sharing about books. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and, you know, um, the same is sort of true for my TV list. I know there's a lot of like really big shows out there that I have yet to complete. So I didn't feel comfortable putting them on the list and you know, that's my bad. But I mean, the thing is like, I, I feel like we're in a golden age of television. It's become sort of the new, like medium to to do things and to tell stories because there's there's more freedom you can you can you know instead of being limited to like an hour and a half or two hours for a movie you can really stretch things out well and let me uh put in a few uh notes being someone who has worked in the movie industry um not like i'm a you know career professional or was a famous director or anything but i worked in special effects uh at one time and uh through a like a the company disband it's a kind of a long story and very convoluted but basically i lost my job at, at a certain company uh and my options were to go back and look for a new job in the entertainment industry in the in the section i was involved in which was feature film special effects or go do something else and i did not take me two seconds to say i'm not going back to try to do that because the industry and this is we're talking like 2010 maybe a little after maybe 2012 actually mm-hmm. and the the scope was already narrowing while i still had work but the way that the movie industry is going it's less and less profitable especially when there's like so many new ways to outsource work especially when it comes to special effects and all that post-production stuff um i mean I can't speak too much for primary production and like actual filming, but you know, I, I would have to assume that innovation as it were is happening there as well. And, you know, fil- film producers and, and, and companies are trying to like any other business cut costs. So like that industry is just shrinking, but you can even see in like the releases before the pandemic, how much less and less there was as far as movie content goes and how TV is just booming and like streaming is huge. Like, networks are starting to like disappear off of regular TV broadcasting because everybody's doing streaming and they're coming up with their own versions of the streaming service. It's like, yeah, no duh. Like, yeah, you know, it's, it's going to be another golden age of TV if it isn't already. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't think, you know, I don't, not to get all mushy mushy, but I don't think you should feel too bad about not having read classics and things like that. I mean, it's particularly in America, we haven't uh, had such an emphasis on that over the entire range of society. So I think it's uh, very unlikely that uh, you're alone in that aspect. And to be frank, even when I've had conversations with people who are well-read and, uh, you know, there's a certain amount of stuff that you 
haven't necessarily read, but you know enough about it. And if you're an avid reader, you pick up enough to come, you know, converse about it. And I think it's, it's a little silly to, to try to knock people down a peg for not having read the Count of Monte Cristo or some other classic book, which is right. I mean, if you like it good, if you haven't read it and you never will, and it just doesn't come into the alignment with the kind of stuff you read, then, you know, go fuck yourself. (laughs) <laughs> no, I mean, uh, you know, yeah, exactly. And part of it is like, um, part of it has just been like, well, my, I haven't always had an HBO subscription, so it's been hard to watch some of those shows and that's been yeah, right. hit or miss for me. And then, and well, then the HBO other... was pretty prohibitive for a long time. It was like expensive yeah. when we were younger. Yeah, exactly. And Not then, like now. and also just, the, I mean, just the sheer time commitment. Like, I mean, like take the good with the bad that, you know, um, that's why I don't want to watch any new shows. I don't have time to get caught up. I know. Like I, I was just thinking, like I really want to watch Shit's Creek. My wife watched it; she loved it. But even that, I mean, th- those are just like twenty-one minute episodes. But there's eighty of them, so you're still talking about like a twenty-eight hour commitment. And then you, and then you get oh, these, yeah. you know, longer it's shows. Like, and it's like, oh man, that's yeah. It's not like watching a new movie where like I yeah. know that I won't be committed for more than a couple of hours. Whereas with a TV show like that, especially if it's got several seasons, you're you're in for the long haul if you end up liking it. But I mean, even with the HBO thing, like how realistic is it to go back and watch some of their premier shows or some of their like award winning shows with all the new content? It's like you have to get through that first before you even think about watching the old stuff if you haven't seen it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely but, a time commitment. If you're busy with other things, it makes it makes it hard. But yeah. Um, old yeah. man corner. We're real busy. What about you? Like cinematography was that a big thing or writing or how did you kind of put yours together i I think that like i went first on pure entertainment value and um the way the show made me feel and a little bit on the rewatchability i think those came first but then when i was trying to really like put an order to it once i had like a good group of shows I started thinking a little bit more about those things and like my number one and my number five and uh, a few others on the list are going to be really heavily weighted with the writing and cinematography. Like that's, those are two things in a few shows that just, I think anyone, even if you don't know crap about uh, how movies are made or how TV shows are made, you see something and you know, immediately like that looks different. It looks Mm -hmm. amazing. The, the perspective that they're giving is telling me something, even if I can't articulate it back to you, you know what I mean? And for those reasons, in some shows, it really comes into play, but we'll get to that later. But I I think, I think the majority of my idea was just, I mean, some of these shows I've watched the entire series, probably 10 or 20 times. Wow. Like, and, and maybe that speaks a little more to my loneliness at a younger age, but uh, you know, I like to think that it also has to do with how good the show is or how entertaining. There you go. Yeah. Well, let's jump into it, man. What, uh, what do you have at number 10? Well, number 10, um, is probably the most nostalgic of these for me. It's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the original animated series. Awesome. I absolutely loved it as a kid. It's still like, I wouldn't say it holds up by any means, uh, it's very of its time but it's just so wacky and so fun and like really colored my sense of humor and my sense of fun as a kid and as a person uh and 
I can even watch them now, and it's like it's worth a good chuckle, and especially if you're a little mind altered when going into it one way or another, it's it's quite entertaining. Not to mention, like for being something that started as a comic, uh, and being a fan of comics and and a fan of animated things in general, it just was very different from most other things I had ever seen. And even a lot of things after, I think it inspired a lot of other creators to be weird, creative in really strange ways. I mean, the comic was started as a joke. Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird basically started the comic to be like, I bet no one will buy this or print it or whatever. And it became a phenomenon, you know? Yeah, that's awesome, dude. I was just looking it up to see if it's streaming anywhere, but and I didn't, I didn't, you know, being a kid, I remember loving the movie and I loved the cartoon too. It's not on my list, but it, I mean, it hit us at the right time, you know. Oh, I mean, that yeah. came out in 1987. Uh, we would have been five years old. Well, and if you and, follow any of the comic collectors that are our age, there is a good chunk of them that are just turtle obsessed. And That's it's awesome. like their grail of comic books is something turtles. If it's not number one, it's something else. It's hard to find. It's ridiculous, man. I think I know the answer for you, but which turtle would you say you identify with the most? Oh, I think it'd have to be Raphael. Exactly. <laughs> as brooding and moody as, as that guy was. That's you, buddy. Reco- recovering from getting beat up in a bathtub for like a week or whatever it was in the first movie. Totally me. Like, I feel like I'm uh, that's how I'm getting my attention. What's yeah. that? I feel like I've always been Michelangelo. I mean, the second... Oh, there you go. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, you know, the second Raphael in the first movie goes in to see Critters. And yeah. is compelled to see Critters. And then, you know, rags on it after as if he was expecting something magnificent. Yeah. Totally. I'll nice. totally be that guy. What about you? What was your number 10? That's awesome. My number 10 is a show called Baggage. Have you ever seen it? baggage i've never even heard of this <laughs> what the hell is that it is it's on the game show network it's a game show it's like a dating show okay so it's 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 on now the game I'm show i'm not network. surprised yeah so it I started in like 2010 and it's hosted by jerry springer to give you an idea of what of, yeah jerry springer hosted a tv game show yeah so how let me tell you how it works okay so they do it. They do it like with a male contestant or a female contestant. They okay. they switch off. But let's say there's a female contestant and she's looking for a date with a guy. There mm-hmm. there'll be three guys that come out, and they each have their their baggage, right? So they each have like physical luggage, that's oh. to, and each what? one contains <laughs> like a secret about them or a personality flaw or something crazy. So this is like. Like in that, uh, what's the one with Howie Mandel where they're like opening the the briefcases yeah. with money? It's like those, they might have it's reused like that briefcase. only each briefcase has like some that. sort of horrible baggage in it. Like I once yes. killed my ex girlfriend. Basically, yeah. So <laughs> so they all come out. They each open their smallest piece of. It's like ascending order of craziness. Uh, they all open their smallest piece of baggage. It did take off. It's huge, man. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just, the, oh. Yeah. There's been I, I actually didn't realize this. I looked it up on Wikipedia. There's been 300 episodes apparently. It's what? It's been around. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is the most prolific show that I never heard of or paid attention to. I mean, you should check it out. You would you would love it. So everyone, they all three open up their their least you know their smallest piece of baggage, and it'll be like, you know, I I always make love with my socks on or something like that, right? And I then feel they kinda, like that's bigger. Suitcase. Oh, okay. Well. 
well, but not this show. We'll get into that on another episode. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Uh, so they all open up their smallest one. They introduce themselves, and then there's like a commercial break, and then they come back, and then they um, they open up the three middle bags randomly, and and then the the gal has to eliminate one. Like, which one of these is your deal breaker? And she eliminates it based on just only the piece of baggage, and then the guys go stand next to their baggage, and the the one guy leaves or whatever. And shows whatever his biggest piece of baggage was off camera or off set. And then, so it's, then it's down to the two guys. So then Jerry Springer kind of asks them questions about themselves, like rapid fire questions. And then they display their biggest piece of baggage. And she will then pick one of them that she wants to go on a date with. But then she reveals her biggest piece of baggage. She only has one. She just reveals her one piece of baggage. Okay. And then he decides like if he wants to continue with uh being selected. And that's it. It's Damn, awesome. that's that's yeah. like a family guy skit come to life. Now, how many of these episodes have you watched? Oh man. What'd you say? Definitely not. I was definitely surprised there was three hundred. I mean, I've probably watched I don't know. It's one of those shows where you can kind of find yourself binging it late at night like or whatever. Upwards of twenty? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've probably okay. watched like 50 of them or something. So I feel like after that amount, you get an idea for the trends in the show. How often does the woman get to the last two guys, or like get to like, we'll start narrowing it down, and there's like a hunky Channing Tatum looking dude next to a guy that looks like me, and the Channing Tatum <laughs> looking dude gets booted. And no. she's like, fuck! It's, it's funny because it's usually, it usually feels like it's like people who have kind of had, you know, had some things happen in life i mean they're always like in their 30s or 40s and they've you know they've been through some stuff like really uh carrying a few few dead bodies around in a in a leather (laughs) bag it's i mean some of the stuff that they say you're like oh my goodness what you know and and with the way tv works you don't know if it's all real or if there's stuff that's like fake or whatever but um it's entertaining nonetheless well goodness gracious once i check that out maybe i might adjust my list there you go well at number nine i went in a totally different direction i actually had an as usual with almost every list we do i broke the rules and i had a tie oh Um, but uh no not as usual as usual you break the rules you're the only one who's had a tie on this yeah no that's what i said (laughs) not we all right Make well, it clear, I'll open up to it. But um, this is the only one that contains a show that is not finished, mm. I believe. Well, that uh, there's an asterisk next to that, but um, it's t- probably yeah. Anyways, so the two shows are extras, the Ricky Gervais series that was, yeah. uh, I think that was on HBO, and Mindhunter. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Way different. Uh, two totally different shows way different than what we've talked about already 900 uh, done no they they're gonna do more seasons aren't they after I season thought three I, I thought i read they it was two and done no they have three seasons what man you gotta get up to date there's no way they would stop a show that good it's like the best true crime show I'm looking at an article from seven days ago that says Mindhunter season three not happening, says David Fincher. Oh, that is bullshit. Yeah. Sorry, Total buddy. bullshit. Well, nonetheless, it's still uh, one of my favorites. Um, 
Mindhunter specifically because there's I don't think there's any show that quite nails the the characters of some of these villainous serial killers. I don't know why I say villainous as if they could be not villainous. <laughs> uh, like it's particularly the guy that plays Ed Kemper. It's it's astonishing when you watch some actual footage of this guy along with the actor. It's it's just uncanny. And they get uh not to be too spoiler alerty, but uh, they get a Charles Manson guy in there. There's Jerry Brudos. There's Wayne uh, Wayne Williams. There's just some of the most uh, I, uh, unfortunately iconic serial killers uh, yeah. to ever grace the American uh, you know pop culture landscape, and they're just flawless. And the show is really well written. It's really entertaining. And, but I couldn't decide between that or extras and have to kick something like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles off the list. Um, but extras is one of those shows that just like, I didn't think, because it came out after the original Office with Ricky Gervais did and, and uh-huh. a couple other things. And I just didn't think there's a way he could do awkward comedy still in a totally different setting especially bringing because their gimmick was like bringing other celebrities in especially ones that were not known for comedy or awkward comedy specifically and it it was out of the park funny every single time and every cameo was absolutely ridiculous and between those two shows whether you want to go real serious or real ridiculous it's like the perfect tie for me yeah that's awesome What's your I, haven't seen, I haven't seen extras. I'll have to check it out. Oh, dude, you got to watch that. Yeah. Anyone who is a fan of any sort of awkward humor or anything that influences like cringy humor these days has to watch that. Yeah, perfect. Um, my number nine is Kenny versus Spenny. Oh, classic. Yeah, man. I love those guys. Two, two Canadian guys, um, friends, and they, they have competitions with each other for, for anyone who hasn't seen it. They have crazy competitions with each other like who can eat more meat and they've got you know it's kind of like a low rent jackass in tv form yeah basically it kind of came out around the same time um and it was kind of one of those i can't remember like what network it was even on they are actually all available it was from canada so yeah it's on it was from canada and there's been some like different versions of the show like like different British spin-offs and things like that with with different characters and whatnot, but um, pretty awesome. I mean, there's they're all available on YouTube now, actually, like like legitimately, not not just hey, you know. Google. I got them on DVD. If you want to come over to my house, nice. <laughs> but I mean, some of these, you know, we could probably do. Who could eat more meat? Um, who can that, blow the biggest fart? That'll can... be this the sideshow <laughs> to this podcast. <laughs> Our mini sods. Look out for it in 2022. Yeah. Well, that's my number nine, Kenny versus Spenny. Um, what's your number eight? Uh, my number eight is the U.S. version of The Office. Yeah, I think that this is on my list and for all time for me, the most rewatchable show. Uh, I think it's probably for a lot of people not cool anymore to like it, and I, I think that it's a very like surprisingly polarizing show. Um, I think it's a little too real sometimes now that we have uh, certain people in politics that are reflected in some of the characters, maybe one namely, but uh, it is just such a funny show. It's so well written. It, the comedy is very layered, even though like the, the, what you see up front is very simple. 
and it's it's very weird how like especially if you really get into being a fan of it and you watch like the behind the scenes stuff the outtakes the the gag reels you you start to learn about the um the layers to the writing and the layers to the jokes and like where this stuff comes from and you're like no wonder it's so freaking funny these people are very experienced and they just they're masters at their craft when it comes to being comedians or comedic writers it's just a fantastic show i could watch it over and over again i can repeat line for line with so many episodes especially the earlier ones and i still laugh out loud at it every single time it's just like that yeah. that good funny it still hits a funny bone it doesn't feel like i could ever get tired of most of the jokes and i the funny thing about this show and i don't know if you've experienced this with anything else is that like the cringiest jokes that originally when i watched it i'd be like oh, i don't know if i could even look like i just feel so like <laughs> awkward and awful those are the funniest ones for me after watching it like 10 to 20 times like That's those are funny. The like the prison mic from early on is just so cringy, but it, I die laughing now. It's Dude, so good. it's funny that you say like you you don't think it's cool to like it anymore. I think it's like, I think it's actually really cool. I all maybe it's just kind of what I'm looking at online, but like I feel like every well, there's everyone is talking about it. it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, like my my niece is 16 years old and she's like watching it for the first time and loves it. Hey, you know, maybe and, it'll be that one of those times. Which is things. funny because she, you know, it's not like she's been in. It, it's even funnier when you've like worked in an office environment. I think. I mean, that's the thing about it is it does, like you said, have layers. Like, you can watch episodes over and over again and and maybe even find something the fifth time through that you didn't notice, even if it's just like yeah. a little like you know, a look someone gives or something in the background or, you know. Well, that's um, the brilliance of a lot of these actors. Like, of course, Steve Carell and uh, even John Krasinski, like he he has a lot of little reactions and things that I noticed later on, especially in the later episodes when he's more focal point that just you don't catch it the first couple of times. Or, and like Rain Wilson does the same thing, too. Um, by the way, I met I, I met Rain Wilson in the airport one time. He is really tall. No person. kidding. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, like, there's there's just so much to it. It's one of those shows, like I said before, it's so simple on the surface, but you keep finding things. And yeah. You, and it's enjoyable every time through. I mean, uh, and if you want to, if you're a real diehard Office fan, the thing you got to listen to is the podcast that Jenna Fisher and uh, yeah. Angela Office uh, Ladies Kinsey do together. Office Ladies, they're going episode by episode doing every single episode talking about like the inside story behind the scenes stuff they right. bring people on i've only gone through like the first season and a half i think as far as the office seasons themselves go uh for the podcast and they've already had a couple writers uh creed bratton was on there uh uh rain wilson who played dwight Schrute, was on at one point and they're gonna have people keep coming back it's just like the office fans dream of a podcast yeah that's, so that's, anyways, that's funny, man. What? Uh, uh, when did you meet Rain Wilson? Uh, I was in the Seattle airport going back to Burbank when I lived in Southern California, and he was in the airport at the same time, going the same place I was. Probably going back to do filming because he's from the Seattle area. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. But man. anyways, what's your number eight? Uh, my number eight is Shark Tank. Um, really. I love that show, man. That show, it's one of those shows. It's always on like CNBC. And if it's if it's ever on while well, I'm just kind of flipping through and looking for something to watch, I'll turn it on. I've seen 
probably most episodes by this point. I'm not sure I've seen every episode, but I've seen a ton of them. And I, I just love, I've always loved, you know, like ridiculous ideas. <laughs> well, thinking, yeah, think, I mean, ever since I was a kid, I remember like thinking of ideas or wanting to start a business or wanting to, you know, invent something. And, um, so, so I really just love the, that, okay. the show in that way because people come in, pitch their ideas and, you know, sell them or not. But I, I mean, I, I sit there like I, I've got the checkbook. I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've got the, I think I've got a way too cynical angle. Cause I see some of the shit. And I'm like, how do you think you can even come in front of these people and pitch this as a viable idea? Well, it, it, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's certainly a mix. They certainly, the producers definitely want, you know, some, it, just like when you watch, American Idol or something like that. They're going to show you some really good singers, and then they're going to show you like the worst ones too. Oh yeah. So yeah. so there is some of that. But do any yeah, of those people actually like make it with their businesses? Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, there. There's millionaires that have come out of that show for sure. Oh shit, that's yeah. crazy. I mean, I imagine when you got Mark Cuban in them. That's the one with Mark Cuban, right? Yeah, yeah. That dude's all like, he's making money hand over fist in yeah. many different ways. So I imagine. No, but I'm saying like a lot of the products have, have become like, successful too. Something. I think I mean the one that, that stands out for me. There's a uh, like a sponge scrubber called Scrub Daddy that is one of the famous. Like um, I don't even know. I I, I, I don't really know what's different about it, but it, I, I've used it and it works really well. So <laughs> scrub, but you know apps, apps and things like that, or um, restaurants even. I mean all all different kinds of things. Yeah. I think the tone means everything when you're Scrub Daddy. Because it could just be Scrub Daddy, like on an infomercial. But if you make it Scrub Daddy, <laughs> probably yeah. not going to sell quite as well. At least not. It's going to be more of a niche product. Right. <laughs> What's no, your number seven? Number seven, Eastbound and Down. Ooh, great comedy. Yeah. Woo! I mean, that one, um, you know, it just basically is... Ooh. It's like it was made for me. I mean, it's a it's a hilarious okay. comedy with Will Ferrell and you know uh, Danny McBride and um, <laughs> and it's about baseball. So it was like right up my alley. Yeah, you know, I should have thought of that. I should have been less surprised by the fact that a baseball themed comedy was on your top ten list of TV shows. Yeah, and it's great. I mean, it is just the characters in that show are over the top and. I have I actually haven't I need to rewatch it because I haven't watched it like since it came out but I remember just just laughing my ass off at that Was show. that show literally, literally written for Danny McBride to play the part? Cuz I mean it it's might have, I mean, yeah. He, he's like the, wait, did he nobody he could might have written it, right? Who Was he it? a writer on it? Well, either way, it's you know the one thing I'm wondering about that is like I considered where campiness comes in and like kitschiness into this list. Cause when it comes to comedy, there's always going to be a, a chance of it being kind of campy and goofy and hokey. Um, but like, I think there's a certain element of that in this show, but it's also just really friggin' funny. And like, that's Danny one thing McBride that I think is, doesn't come into play the with creators. the office. Okay. That makes more sense. Yeah. It doesn't come into play. I don't think with the office as much It being like campy or hokey, but it certainly does with Eastbound and down and, and a lot of other shows that I really love that are comedy shows, but I don't know. Did that factor into your choice at all? What? Like a little campiness, a little like goofy for the sake of being goofy. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think so. I That's mean, it, you know, it's definitely like a little over the top, but at the same time, I mean, it's, you know, um, like the way that they portray, 
the minor leagues and Myrtle Beach and just this like has been living with his brother and oh it's there's there's a little like there's a little insider scope to that if you if you learn a little about the baseball industry or sports in general like being trying to get from a minor league to a major league just from learning from you man it's well he's like on the way back down you know like his his career is on the end so it yeah but well really anybody who's a little too old for their profession you're gonna relate to this yeah (laughs) yeah maybe that's why we like it so much uh my number seven is the wire awesome uh i absolutely love that show um it's another one of those HBO things that is just the drama is top level. It, the production is top level. It looks and feels and like brings you into a world in such an incredible way. Um, like you're a fly on the wall for all these conversations. The acting is out of this world. Uh, I will always point out that the accents are amazing uh, as a person who loves listening for accents, I may not be able to do them, but I can hear them really well. And having family from Philadelphia, uh, and, and knowing, being able to hear the difference between a Philadelphia and a Baltimore accent is like being able to know the difference between a Brooklyn's and a, a Brooklyn and a Queens accent. And, yeah. uh, and I think that like, when you get a chuckle out of that by someone who's not natively from there, it, it makes it all the more amazing uh particularly idris elba in that show is phenomenal he's a a british guy doing a baltimore accent which is really hard the way they talk in baltimore is is like people from philadelphia who have a, a just atrocious accent which i absolutely love uh they find it offensive uh so but like the crazy thing is I've watched some like behind the scenes things about Idris Elba in that situation. And he basically flubbed his way into getting the role of Stringer Bell. He came to the, when he got the audition, his, uh, I forget what the exact story is. You can find it on YouTube. Uh, but there's an interview where he's like, yeah, I didn't know how to do a good American accent. And they were like, you need to do one for the audition. And he's like, all right, yeah, sure. I can do one. Never having really done it before, but went in and did one of the harder American accents to do and killed it and got the role. And just when you hear him in the show, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, this will be a theme for later on in the list, but just like every aspect, writing, cinematography, acting, the whole nine yards it's a little slice of a certain type of americana it's also like life on the streets for people of color and like a diverse range of people uh it was one of the first shows that really brought me into that uh that sort of world where i understand a little bit more about people that are different from me and just it was great mm-hmm. it's only one very narrow slice of it it's like it makes you feel a little more. I don't know. It just on every level, it it hit me. Absolutely love that show, yeah. and I could watch it over and over. The the only reason it didn't make it higher on my list though, is because in the middle of the what is it five or six seasons? Five there's seasons. A season, I think it's particularly the one on the kids in school. It just kind of got a little slow. It's like yeah. it dips down right in the middle of the series, but then it goes back up. So it it redeems itself, but. There's a little slow point there. But overall, The Wire, man. Crazy. Yes. It's one of those Great shows that, that people will, if you haven't seen it, they'll always be like, oh, i watch The Wire. 
It's so good. They'll always be raving about it to you. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. <clears throat> um, what's your? Are we on number seven? What's your number? number? Six. My number seven was Eastbound Down. Number, number uh, six for me. This is, is the point in the show where I start asking what number. We're right. On. Yeah. It every every episode. Of, of right. the conversation. Yeah. Uh, number, number six for me is Saturday Night Live. Really? Yeah, dude. I think yeah. you know. Um, just for like mostly, I'm for the longevity of it. I mean, this is a show I loved when I was True. 11, 12 years old. I loved it throughout high school and college. And even to this day, you know, I find myself making a point to watch it regularly. I don't Never catch every one, but I mean, I, I still, it's still a show. I, I make sure to tune into, which is something I can't say about, you know, the Simpsons, for example. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, we talked about that recently with our group of friends. Of yeah. All the Simpsons, but would you say it has like a big nostalgia factor to it? Like even with, Oh, Oh yeah. I mean, I still find myself watching old, you know, old skits I loved on YouTube or whatever. Um, you know, and then, and then you just think about like the incredible amount of stars that have come like started on that show and just the impact that Lauren Michaels has had on pop culture and movies and television and everything, you know, I mean, well, I mean, it's amazing. I, you know, I was about to say, I think that's like, the one show that anyone who considers himself to be a world-renowned comedian has to be on as an actor but really like you could also be a host for it and it's really hard to think of somebody who is a great comedian or a funny person or a funny actor that has not been either a cast member or a host on that show yeah, absolutely yeah i mean just you know you start thinking about funny people and they're going to be on the list and um yeah, I'm not sure a, almost every person, most almost every person on our funniest people episode that I chose, probably like eight or seven or eight out of ten of them have been on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, yeah, and then you know the musical guest is always it's always cool. I mean it's it's they used to be more you know um, edgier I guess with with the picks, especially in the seventies and eighties and things like that. Now it's a little bit more um, pop and you know. Um, a little underwhelming, wouldn't you say? Whatever. But 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 then every now and then, you know, you still get like a, a great, you know, rock band on there or or like a like a really memorable music performance. And and then even just like the weekend update, you know, that is kind of like led the way for shows like The Daily Show or, or things yeah. like that. Like the, well, the there's news a blueprint comedy. there. Yeah. Yeah. There's so yeah. many things on that show that you can take and turn into a blueprint for other things you could probably trace a lot of lineages of of comedy tv shows back to that i think the only i i definitely considered snl for my list but for me uh when i look at the whole of snl or even like a string of like series of casts i can't find quite enough longevity of loving the show to call it a favorite i mean I really love those like classic older uh, lineups that include like Eddie Murphy and Chevy Chase and John Belushi and of all the Gilda Radner, all those mm-hmm. are, like classic Jane Curtin and the Conehead shit. Holy shit! The, so the movies that have come out of that, and I also love Kate McKinnon. I'm really mad that I didn't talk about her at uh, at a point earlier in our our funny people thing. Yeah, uh, but. Like she's one of the funniest people I've seen in my life, and but then there's also like 
I have a long-standing grudge against the work of Jimmy Fallon, and I think he's <laughs> absolutely fucking terrible. And a lot of the 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 people that were on there around that time, I didn't enjoy either. So it's been very back and forth for me personally. And but also by the same token, to further validate your love of the show, some of those people I didn't like on SNL, I've loved them in other stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah. like uh, what's his name, Keenan. Mitchell, is Thompson. that his name? Keenan Thompson. Keenan Thompson, yeah. Uh, like, I'm not too crazy about a lot of his work on there, but some of his stuff in, in other things has been good. He's been kind of back and forth. Uh, you know, there, Maya Rudolph's another one where, like, there's not a lot I can say I enjoyed from SNL, but, like, her movie work, especially, like, Bridesmaids and stuff, bonkers hilarious. Sure, yeah. But yeah, anyhow. Kristen Wiig is, is great. Kristen Wiig. Mean, yeah. She's another one. Andy Samberg. I love Andy Samberg. Andy Samberg's another one I didn't like all that much on SNL, though there's like the memorable like Dick in a Box gets some yeah some other stuff like that. But then some of his movies pretty darn good. He was real fifty for fifty for me in in both those realms. But that's a great choice, man. I had a hard yeah. time not putting it on the list. Like I yep. wanted to justify it, but I was like, I better go with things that are hundred percent for me. Yep, no doubt. What number are we on? So number six. Uh, so going in a totally different direction, but also comedy, Trailer Park Boys. Oh, nice. That's one. If, uh, yeah, I haven't seen much of it. I need if, to. If there's one show that would contest for The Office and the most times I've watched it, it's Trailer Park Boys. Mainly because the episodes are so short and because it's so like specific. Like It's a Nova Scotia trailer park. It's very Canadian in its humor, and it's like sort of uh, the way that people are. It's just, it's so much fun, and it's really funny, and it's really crude. Like, swearing's a big part of it. I find that to be really funny, and like, I like taking taboo things and making them a, a central focus for a TV show. But the mockumentary style of it is something that they really went hard on early. And I really, I thought, I thought it's just creative and it's fun and it's hilarious. And, you know, I, I, the incorporation of things like Rush being uh, a big deal to them because they're Canadian <laughs> and like Alex Lifeson, the guitarist from Rush, actually being in the show several times. Uh, it's just a, it's a fantastic show. It's hilarious. If you can get into it, it's one of those like, things that I always thought I was not going to like, like it's going to be a little too specific or kitschy or whatever. But then it, once I started, you know, getting into it, it was great. And the one thing that really knocked it out of the park for me is um, most comedies, I find that like, especially when they're TV shows, it's hard to get like some real emotion in there, really feel for a character. Uh, but uh, the guy who plays Jim Leahy passed away at one point and he's always been a very redeemable character and kind of makes you get into the feels, get into your emotions a little bit at a few points in the shows because he's that a, that good of an actor. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when they did their homage to him, it just, like, I can't watch it now without getting emotional. Oh, it's wow. it's fantastic, but... Nice. Uh, yeah, check that out. <clears throat> yeah. What, and they use, a lot of, they use a lot of creative swearing, like calling people a cock tractor. I think that's tractor, that. cock tractor. Okay. They, they use some creative swearing. Yeah, really, yeah. That's a few. Nice. What Lock do you got donkey. for number five? Uh, number five is. Wait, did you already do your number six? Was that SNL? 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, my number five is Breaking Bad. Nice. I think anybody would be surprised to see that on here. Uh, completely original story. Uh, I love that it's a non-HBO show that looks like an HBO show because the cinematography, writing, everything else is great. The guy who wrote it also wrote uh, some of my other favorite shows like uh, uh, Sons of Anarchy. Vince Gill or not Vince Gill. Gilligan. Vince Gilligan. <laughs> Very different. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I've I've watched a lot of interviews with him too, and he's in the show as a character. Um, uh, or sorry, not in that show. He's in uh, Sons of Anarchy as a character. But um, I mean, that was one of those shows while we were still watching TV regularly. You and I have watched mm-hmm. later episodes of that together, where you'd wait every Sunday just with like on edge just waiting for the show to start and like waiting to see what happens and they did cliffhangers and like reveals and plot turns just like no other show i don't think there's any other show that does plot turns as well as they do ever even my number one i'll say they'd never done they'd never done plot twists and turns the way that breaking bad does yeah just all around i mean looking forward to watching it again soon yeah. Have you watched Better Call Saul, the spinoff? Um, not all the way through that one. Really? I, yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. It's definitely a slower burn, but I, I, I definitely enjoyed that one too. And I think I've gotten through a couple seasons, but then um, for whatever the reason. life got in the way. Yeah, I mean, basically, you know, it has to be on streaming for me to watch it these days. And uh, it's on Netflix. It was. Yeah, but there was like long delays for when it was when they were dropping seasons or whatever. So oh, I haven't I haven't caught all the way up. You've noticed about Netflix when they have those good series, you end up seeming to wait way too long for the next thing to come along. Yeah. What's your number five? My number five is The Wire. You talked about it. But I was figuring that might come up. <clears throat> yeah, that one I actually watched pretty recently maybe a few years ago because like you said everyone's like oh you gotta watch it, you gotta watch it and i i found myself getting through it um you know pretty pretty quickly for such a deep show but like you said man the writing on the show is just phenomenal the the depth is incredible um the realism just you know david simon wrote the show after he was a police reporter for the baltimore sun for 13 years oh no so, shit yeah, yeah. So I mean, that, that stuff is sense. like, yeah. I mean, that is it's all kind of intertwined, and just the the way that the way that it is scripted, like it it it's not one of those shows. And I don't, I haven't read it or or anything like that to know, but it, it feels like it was like planned, like almost start to finish. Like it wasn't like, oh, are yeah. we gonna do another season? Yeah, because every every season focuses on like a different aspect of all these things, they're intertwined. You know, the first season is the drug dealers. The second season is focused on the port. The third season is on, like, the political system. The fourth yeah. season is the school system. The media and the school. fifth season is, like, the media and how the media covers it all. And so it's all interconnected within Baltimore. But um, Yeah, it's yeah, almost man. like it becomes more relevant over time. That not that a right. hallmark of a great show? It, it yeah it's 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 a really great show well and i'll have to i have to point out one other thing that since i want to talk about it so much and is the the fact that like they get every little culture like mini culture in there like it's not just like uh you know 
urban black culture or like poor white culture or like you know cops in general they get really specific it's like a certain type of beat cop or a certain type of investigator or like guys who grow up in the projects but then they have a chance of getting out or uh the one that obviously resonated with me more some of the like white guy stuff from that area where it's like they're really uh um in tune to their roots and sense of like you know i'm real irish or i'm real polish without ever even spoken a lick of the language or been to one of those countries but it's like you just kind of inherit the fact that that's where you come from and they have these certain ways of of traversing the landscape of the city and so each of these different uh types of people it it can almost seem like it's a caricature in a negative way but it turns out it's like a extremely authentic version of that type of person go to that city or that part of the east coast or that part of the country you're going to meet that person and you're mm-hmm. just like are you from the friggin movie no it's actually like the movie portrayed them that well <laughs> right yeah 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 no great point the only other thing i'll add is i i bought a, a wire rack at ikea and it was called omar which i thought was awesome Oh, get out of here. Michael I don't K. know if that's like intentional or not, but it was Call it. Michael K. Williams, friend of the show. Yeah, friend of the pod. Po- friend of the podcast. <clears throat> what do you got for number four? number four? Or am I going? Uh, I'll just do mine. I'll do mine because you already stole my thunder again. I got the office on here for number four, US hey. version. The funny thing is, I. Um, you put it that high. Huh? I didn't see that coming. I. It, it's funny because the, the show for me has kind of. Um, I didn't love it initially, especially because I first saw the the British version um, from from you and Scott Culver. Actually, when we went down to California, like 2005, you guys put that on for me. That was the first time I had seen that, and I thought that was awesome. And so, so when season one of the U.S. version was was almost like some of the, some of the episodes. Well, it were was like, shop shop. Yeah, exactly. So it was like yeah. okay, this is like a cornier version of something I already like. Um, it turned me off a little bit, but then. I was able to kind of get past that and watch the, the later seasons. And, and now, you know, it, it's almost like my comfort show. Like I, if I'm yeah. bored, I'll just flip it on and watch a few episodes here and there, just even like in the middle of it. That's what um, I'm talking about with that rewatchability, man. Yeah. So we I talked about it. myself anywhere in that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just, it's just great. And like, like I said earlier, I mean, it's one of those things where you can find things that are funny, you know, um, even after seeing the same episode five, ten times. Well, and I don't know of any show or movie that's, well, I'm sure there is some more cases of it, but very few where you take something that's already been done and you do the localized version of it. And keep in mind, like, they did The Office in, like, what, 10, 15 different versions around the world? Yeah. Like, there's a there's an Indian version, like, India-Indian version of the office there's a uh i think there's like a dutch version and a norwegian version like there's versions of it all over like there's south american versions like how do you and that's because of the sex sex sex, success of the u.s version like they for shot in the beginning and it worked well enough and they had enough people that weren't like totally turned off because they're redoing the thing to make it its own thing and adapt to this style of humor of the local uh audience and then it worked 
uh, it just like that part kind of boggles my mind a bit. Like <laughs> that is I mean, crazy to think you about. Have, you have some great, like I said before, great actors, great writing, all these great things into it. But like you could do, you we've seen tons of movies that are like the remake of a European movie or the remake of something else. And like, like it may do well, but it's not like just critically raved about and like popular in pop culture, the way that this is. It's just so different in that way. I like, I kind of can't wrap my head around how that actually happened. That is, like, that, that does seem pretty unique. And I'm just sitting here thinking about, man, Greg Daniels and Ricky Gervais must just be cashing checks. Oh, hell yeah. You probably man, lose them. Oh, hey, where'd that, where'd that, where'd that check? You know, just sending $100 bill stacks <laughs> back and forth to each other, I'm sure. Because that's, yeah, that's, isn't that what rich people do with their free time? Um, yeah. I think yeah, so. I'm pretty sure that's what they do. Uh, <laughs> I'm so happy that you love that show, like because I, I'm the sense I'm getting is that it's blossomed for you because I seem to remember you not being so into it, and like I'll admit, like at the very first, I was like, you know, you can't do carbon copy and expect to be successful. But I gave it more time. I let the jokes build. I let the comedy build in it, and it just. Not to mention, like, it hits you in the feels a few times. Like, Michael is a sympathetic character. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you wind up, you wind up, even though he's an idiot, like, you wind up loving him. <laughs> and, um, yeah, he's, it's great. I don't, I'm not as a, I'm not as much of a fan of the later episodes. Um, wow. Yeah. It fades, that, it fades out a little bit, but. Yeah, every, still... Everybody who gets into it, it finds that that is a um, forgivable offense. Yeah. But this is a good segue into my number four. What do you got? My number four is the original office. The Ricky no! Stephen Merchant office. Awesome. Nothing for me will ever do the cringe comedy better than that original office. I also, and this is something I'll talk about later, but there are very few shows that ending well. I don't think, like, even Breaking Bad. They only did Bad, two seasons? They did two seasons in a special, if I remember correctly. Okay. But yeah. even with like Breaking Bad, had a pretty good ending, but it like it didn't like just punch and be like, Yeah, we we're we're done. And like that's one thing Ricky Gervais always he like always ends his shows at a certain point where he knows it's still gonna go out on a high note. And it's something that I think very few people can do. Like very and view very few people can get away from their networks and their uh, like how the show's success, if it has it, is going to like end it at the right time and end it in a good way. And I always felt like that show stuck the ending so well. And it's so funny and so awkward and so groundbreaking in its style and that mockumentary thing. Like mm-hmm. I wouldn't have or love Trailer Park Boys the way I do without The Office. I wouldn't love half the yeah. comedy shows that I do without The Office. It's just like, it's one of those cornerstone things. It's like, the Beatles in music, you know. The well, they weren't the first ones to do the mockumentary. Comedy. Yeah, the comedy mockumentary uh, TV show. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I um, <laughs> it's funny because that, that British version, like you said, just the awkwardness, like they let shit hang dude like i don't know how half those people didn't break how did they ever get those takes it's like monty python level ridiculous yeah there there's it's uncomfortable at times but that's what made it so like genuine and so funny and to 
to to be fair, Ricky Gervais is kind of a buffoon, and yeah. and as an actual person, and he just like unabashedly used that to his you know benefit as that character. Like he's hammed it up. It's great. I mean, the friend you mentioned earlier, Scott Culver and Ice, we still quote that to each other. All those oh, yeah. awkward things. Hell yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what's your number three? Seinfeld. Oh. Oh yes. yeah, man. This is like, you know, in in the way that The Office Dolores. is rewatchable. Um, Seinfeld is is definitely rewatchable for me, even though like, you know, it's it's very much dated in terms of the clothing and you know references and things like that. But the comedy still holds up. Like the writing is so. Um, just unique and, and, and amazing uh, level of comedy writing that you can, it's like, like I said, you can just rewatch those episodes and that's what, you know, even before streaming, you know, you could count on Seinfeld being on back to back to back to back on whatever channel at oh, 11 o'clock yeah. at night and turn that on and just watch. Well, there's a reason Jerry and, Seinfeld's swimming in money still. Oh, for sure, man. Yeah. I mean the, the syndication of that thing, but um yeah, that's one of those shows that, you know, I mean, going back to high school when it was kind of at the tail end of its uh, its run on, on network television, you know, m- me and our friends would make a point to watch it and talk about it at school the next day. And um, it was you know, totally hip. That's 20 years ago. So, yeah, I mean, the, the longevity <laughs> of the uh, <laughs> of those episodes being you funny do the for math. Me definitely put it you know, in a good spot on the list. Well, and I think that probably set up a lot of other things we like in the way that they, the money making of that show went like that was that pinnacle of, I don't know if it was on NBC, but uh, it was at the same, it it ran at the same time that friends did at some point. Yeah, it was on NBC. Those two shows were basically paying the most that people had ever gotten friggin' paid for television acting. They're just, just money out the, freaking ceiling is so much mm-hmm. and it's kind of astonishing some of those milestones that shows like that made uh in various ways whether it be the writing or the way that people just made money acting on those shows uh it, it's i mean you can't talk about a list of great tv shows without mentioning it for sure in the upper echelon of it yeah yeah well i'm gonna take a little bit of a, a strange turn in my number three my number three is Jeopardy. Oh yeah, no, that doesn't surprise Suck me. Suck it, Trebek. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. It's uh, being a, a lover of all things nerdy and all things uh, learning. Uh, Jeopardy has always been a big one. It gives me an opportunity to show me how much smarter that I am than many other people I know. Uh, at least in the context of answering questions on a game show uh, while watching it. Um, and uh, no, but I, I just totally love the the style of the competition, the style of the game show. It's one of those few instances where something like that becomes a, a favorite of mine. And I have a lot of nostalgia around it because my mother and I and my a lot of times both my parents and I watched it together as like when I was still living with them as a regular thing. So yeah, there's a little bit of that like cozy family connection thing. Uh, it's 
just it's stimulating it's interesting it's also one of those rare occasions where somebody has been involved with the show for an extraordinary amount of time and like kind of at the point where like how is this guy not retired and he's got he's got cancer now and he's battling that and still doing the show crazy that's a great show it's um same thing I, i i remember watching it with my family growing up i still i don't tune in every night but i'll tune in for you know if they have like a special week or um or if you know you just kind of catch catch yourself at the TV at the right time, I'll definitely tune in. Love that show. And I haven't met Rain Wilson at the airport, but I did see Ken Jennings at a Bet concert one time. So <laughs> no way. Everyone's favorite Mormon watching everyone's favorite uh, Scientologist. Ain't that ain't that something? Ain't that a yeah. kick in the head? I imagine yeah. I'd want to be kicked in the head if I saw that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's just. It's such a uh, an interesting and different idea for a game show compared to all the like sort of like easy get kitschy things the, like the the like open up a suitcase and simplicity of a lot of other shows is is still kind of worked in there but then you've got all that intellectual stimulation for yeah, me I, you you love just, trivia and I love trivia that's one of my favorite things yeah, and no plus doubt. I also like the fact that Alex Trebek is still relatively smug to most people and condescending and i want to slap them in the face for it but it it's endearing <laughs> after a while uh well ag- agree to disagree there but hey uh yeah one of one of the the easiest gifts i buy every year is every year i buy cheryl a jeopardy page day calendar and it always goes right above the toilet and we both you know check it out every day so i have read ahead on that calendar so many times using your bathroom <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> what did you already say your number three seinfeld yeah yeah yep. well what's your number two number two curb your enthusiasm oh shocker there the newer better version of seinfeld the hbo well because, now this is know, interesting because this is something i was thinking might contend for number one for you so give me a good explanation why this is number two well my favorite character on seinfeld has always been uh george costanza because <laughs> I, re- I relate, you know, I relate. And uh, so when you realize Curb Your Enthusiasm, that Larry David is actually George Costanza, uh-huh. um, then Curb Your Enthusiasm is just a no-brainer. I mean, it, it's Larry David as Larry David, putting himself into crazy situations and going through life, pissing people off. And um, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's similar, like the comedy that I love from Seinfeld is obviously similar because Larry David created both shows and writes and... Um, but it's it's an updated version. It's um, it's just funny because the there's a similar cast of characters that are hilarious, um, you know. And yeah, I just I have found it to be kind of a a fresher, newer Seinfeld. So makes and sense. And they're still it, going, aren't they? Yeah, they're still going. They just put out one uh, maybe a year ago or something like that. And then um, I mean. Everyone's been talking about, hey, you know, Larry David in a pandemic is going to be great television. So, (laughs) (laughs) one of the few who will keep it very, very interesting and different. Yep. Yep. Uh, So, my number two is Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I knew, yeah, I knew that would rank highly for you, buddy. Man, it like for me, for my sense of comedy, funniest show out there. Uh, I love Caitlin Olson. I love Rob McElhenney. Charlie Day is phenomenal. Glenn Howerton is is 
unbelievably like funny as this vapid ridiculous character and then you add danny devito in like what i (laughs) I think is probably the funniest character of his career just and you can watch interviews with him he basically says like i'm kind of up for anything and then he says that like they'll just give him things to do to see if he'll do it they're they're basically jackassing him into his role and it it's just so funny. Even from episode number one, I still laugh out loud watching it. Even if it's it's cringy or even if it's ridiculous or or like kind of like dark and sad and awful, it's still so funny. And so like they create these characters who are so horrible that you can't help but laugh at them. And right. it's just brilliant. And for me, obviously, I've talked about many times about how my dad came from Philadelphia. He he wasn't in like a dirty South Philly situation like a lot of these characters are, but like the character of the city is there. Like the 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 sort of misguided pride of the city is there. <laughs> which even if you're like a uh, a a humble and respectable person, if you're from Philadelphia, got a little bit of that like you know confrontational nature somewhere buried inside you it's just like it's it's endemic to someone who is from philadelphia or is has philadelphia in their heart and it just it comes through in every every episode and on top of that it's friggin' hilarious like you've got both like things that are universally funny as well as like locally funny to people who know philadelphia so for me that's yeah. number two that's awesome dude it's one of those shows where i've I'm sadly behind on it. I have, I mean, what what is there now? Like 14, 15 seasons or something? Dude, there's a lot of seasons. I haven't even caught up on the last couple of seasons. There's a ton, man. So it's it's one of those things where it's like, services. yeah, I I've I've loved the first couple of seasons, and then you know, it's one of those shows where it's like I, I I enjoy the fact that you can kind of like pick up an episode and laugh through it, and you don't necessarily have to have. Oh yeah, there's not the like before or after. Yeah, there's not a ton of like series context that you need for most of the show. Yeah, uh, that changes a little with some of the much later episodes, like season ten and plus, because they reference earlier episodes. But um, I, another thing I love about that show, which is why I think it it transcends as a comedy series, is that like the the best. And this is why I didn't put like South Park on the list, is because when I think of like the best seasons, like the heart of the show, like South Park, I think like seasons six to eight, or like seasons ten to maybe twelve. Like there's a couple seasons in a row. But for Always Sunny, for me, it's like season three to nine. It's like a oh, wow. season stretch that is just bonkers funny every friggin' episode. Just like really creative, like really pushing limits of what <laughs> the network will allow them to do, as well as just like just taboo and ridiculous humor. It just uh, I can't think of another show that for that kind of extent has kept me engaged the way that it has, especially when it comes to comedy. It's just fantastic. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna have to watch more of those because it's one of those shows. Like I said, you can pick up an episode here or there, so I'll find myself like putting it on. When when they have like the the television screen on the airplane and I'll oh I'll, yeah like I'll like embarrass myself with how hard I laugh at that show. <laughs> nice. Well, yeah. and and yeah, you really can't pick up anywhere. And even if they're doing something that's raunchy or awful, you can justify by saying, "Hey, these are horrible people. They deserve it." Uh, <laughs> 
But since we just finished our, our 10 through 2, we're about to do our number one here. I'm kind of curious, like, there's got to be a ton of stuff you left off. What would you shout out on this episode of, like, a couple things you really hated to leave off your list? Um, yeah, so I guess, I mean, you know, this is a probably a good point for me to say, like, I'm still working my way through The Sopranos. You know, it's been a slower burn for me, and I know I'm dating myself. I mean, that's just one of those ones I kind of mentioned at the beginning where it's like, I'm embarrassed to admit I haven't watched the whole ah. thing yet. That's It's embarrassing. Same with Game of Thrones, HBO. You know, those are some of the, like, bigger shows where people are like, oh, you, oh, you got to watch that. Like, um, well, Game of Thrones, I can forgive you after that, I think. Yeah, and that's the, that's the thing is, like, you know, people were kind of killing the the last season and stuff like that. That's why I never watched Lost, because I feel like all I heard people do was complain about watching Lost, and so I'm like, well, I'm not going to waste my time with that, you know. Well, just um, a side note on Lost, I did watch the first episode or two of that with my wife because we we're kind of revisiting it. Well, she was revisiting it. I had never watched it. As like, maybe we'll watch this whole series. I don't think it's going to work for me. It's one of those shows that like, it probably should have been on HBO. But they did it on network television. I'm like, yeah. oh, I don't know about that. Yeah. No. So I mean, those those are ones where it's like, you know, Sopranos, Game of Thrones. Like, I could definitely see my see putting them on the list, but I didn't feel like I could put them on the list without seeing the entire show yet. Um, yeah. I really like Succession on HBO. I thought that was really well done. It just felt yeah, too divergent in our pen in our, in their opinion of that one. Yeah, I, I really liked it. And I really liked some of the twists and turns it took. I like when you talk about like, um, I mean, those are horrible people as well. But <laughs> you, you can kind of see every everything is like gray area. It's like, well, this person is horrible, but they're also, you know, they they have redeeming qualities and they, you know, whatever. Um, I think I probably just didn't feel like they were redeemed enough in my own personal view. Yeah. And but, the, but that, I mean, with only two seasons, it, it was hard one. to put on there. Um, the Simpsons, like we talked about kind of fell off after the first you know five or six seven seasons or whatever um freaks and geeks kind of funny to say like for a show to go six or seven seasons and be like it fell off it's like it's been on for that long i know when you consider something's been around for like 20 plus seasons 30 or something dude i think yeah it's crazy yeah yeah um freaks and geeks i love i really Really? love watching that show oh man it's like it's got so much heart and you talk about a show, you know, that, that produced a lot of people like that was kind of like a breeding ground for Seth Rogen and a lot of those, you know, yeah. up and coming actors. And um, it, it's just one of those shows where it kind of combines like, like the nostalgia for us. Cause it's kind of that same time period when we grew up and just the like late nineties geekness. Yeah. And you know, different aspects of high school and coming of age kind of thing. But it was just, it was something I loved, but it, it did, it didn't really have staying power or like, mm-hmm. you know, it was just more of like, I loved it when I watched it and, and considered it, but it didn't end up making my top 10. Um, America's funny. Some videos is like something <laughs> I've always loved and I considered, but the classic Bob Saget. Show. <laughs> I mean, th- that's basically been replaced by just like turning on, you know, YouTube and watching compilations of the same thing. But I, I do love I rec- I recommend looking up. Little it never kids. gets old watching like dads get hit in the nuts, you know, with, with oh, a yeah. wiffle ball bat or something. Um, and then another just kind of like random show that I love that I've actually watched. I think most of the episodes through YouTube is called a show called King of the road, 
which is a uh, like a skateboarding kind of like reality show yeah. where like teams of like the teams are organized by their sponsorship. Um, so you'll have this like sounds the, like something that would have been a much bigger hit in 1996. Yeah, it, it totally would have been. So they they basically it's basically like road rules with skateboarders, and they go on this they go on this <laughs> tour of the U.S. and every city they stop in, they get like a checklist of like okay, if you do these tricks at these oh, spots, nice. you get points, and if you do these other it's things, like Tony Hawk Pro Skater in real life. It really is. It, it, it's a, it's a really cool show. I've but not heard of this. Not, not quite top tonight. ten worthy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What about you? Uh, well, you there's, South, there's another show I thought yeah, you might Earth. have on your list. Actually, I don't want to say it in case it is number one, but I think I know you're number one. Did Planet Earth come up for you? Ooh, well, see, there, man, that was a tough one because there's there's some of the nature documentary series that I absolutely love that would probably fill my 12 to 18. Yeah. Uh, but, like, you know, they, I, I still have to watch the new David Attenborough uh, thing about his life, which, by the way, he's in his like nineties, so it's it's pretty f- uh, compelling just to see a, a somebody reflect on their life at that point, um, especially in the context of our our planet and and all the very serious things that come along with that. But it, that was close, and I think that uh, I don't know, it was really a really tough cut on this list, but. Uh, it's it's sitting right below the ten mark. That was one of the things I was actually going to mention is Planet Earth, one of those series that just changed my life and also changed my idea of entertainment. And uh, Blue Planet would be another one that really up there. Yeah, few things are better than getting stoned and watching the entire Blue Planet series over the course nice. of a day. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the things that got left off uh, kind of fell into two categories. One was like the really new stuff that I can't like, you know, stick into the list just yet without like really having more time to reflect on them. Like Lovecraft Country, which is still ongoing right now. Uh, Norseman, which is basically like the office in old Vikings, Norwegian time and yeah. the Viking times is absolutely hilarious. If you haven't checked it out, it's, it's incredible. Uh, also my neighbor uh, who actually listens to the podcast. What up, Dave? Oh, um, Dave, friend of the podcast. He told me to watch that show. Yeah, he's very he's a very smart man, that Dave. I think he's the only one who's show. reviewed us on uh, iTunes. <laughs> so if you're listening. Fantastic. Thank you for the review, stars, Dave. Buddy. I don't know if it was good, but yeah. Uh, but in the vein of the comedy uh, and newer stuff, Baskets featuring uh, Zach Galifianakis is one of the funniest. Louis Anderson plays his mom in it. It is just one of oh, the wow. funniest shows I've ever freaking seen. It's just I want to see how the entire series plays out before i yeah. stick it on top 10 and also in a totally different vein i know this much is true uh was a recent it was a recent like emmy winner this year with uh mark ruffalo playing himself and his brother it's based off of a book uh about these twin brothers in the northeast and it is really really dark and really rough but it is such a good series and such oh, yeah. a good show and yeah. just like you you end each episode saying like, I don't know if I can take more of this, but you want to know what happens. It's just like that well-written and that well-done and that well-acted. Like it's got one of my favorite people, Catherine Hahn as like one of the other characters in it and ends up being a very pivotal. Uh, obviously, like I said, Mark Ruffalo, it's got Rosie O'Donnell playing this uh, uh, like social worker in it, basically, who is just, she knocks it out of the park. Like, 
she's almost like a caricature of herself in it and it's it's just amazing like the, all these people put in the performance of a lifetime it, amazing show but i again this one was that like i wanted to see if i revisited at a certain yeah. point and, and yeah. i feel like it's worthy the other two that I, I wanted to mention that are just like big hallmarks for me are ren and stimpy and macgyver those are okay. the other two awesome that that I, I had to leave off the list for, for putting a few other things up. Uh, it was basically Ren and Stimpy or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles at number 10. And I think like culturally for me, the turtles ended up resonating like a smidgen more, but I may regret saying that maybe in a, in a couple drinks from now. Yeah. I know a lot of uh, comic book fans really love like the X-Men animated series or the um or batman the animated series too people talk really highly yeah, about that that sounds good but it de- nothing really like stuck with me like the turtles you know yeah yeah or ren and stimpy for that matter but i guess it's we've come to our juncture where we finally announce our number one and everybody's waiting with bated breath connor yeah, what one mine's breaking bad no yeah. shit oh what? hell yeah dude i mean like um <laughs> So yeah, like you like you talked about, we we ended up watching the the final couple seasons live. But but the, when I first started watching it, it must have been around like season four. I started I started watching it on Netflix, and I felt I felt like I was on meth with how hard I was binging <laughs> that show the first time I was watching it. Like, I couldn't stop. I mean, I would just boom episode episode episode. All of a sudden, I'd look up. It's four in the morning. Yeah. Uh, it's. I mean, you talked about watching some of some of your favorite shows multiple multiple times. This is the this is like the only show I've watched front to back twice. Really? Uh, I mean, yeah, I've watched episodes of like, you know, Seinfeld or The Office many more times than that. But I haven't like gone from start. I, I went start to finish oh, on The Office once, but I've gone start to finish like all the way through Breaking Bad twice, and, and I would that. definitely do it again. That's funny that you say that because Breaking Bad specifically to preserve the specialness of it, I have never watched it more than once. Not yeah, it's funny. I, I get jealous when I hear that and people are watching it for the first time. I'm like, oh <laughs> man, I wish well, I wish I could like experience that again. Yeah, I mean it I mean, like you like you talked about before, I mean just the, the writing, the twists and turns, the character development. Um, even like I, I said, I didn't consider cinematography, but it's actually, you know, great, great shots of, you know, the, the American Southwest and great, um, even like shots where there'll be like a little foreshadowing or, um, there's, there's tons of just awesome stuff. I actually have a, I picked up a book not long ago, um, about Breaking Bad where it's sort of like, like office ladies where you talked about. They go this this book goes episode episode by episode and gives you like oh you might have missed this or this ties into this or this backstories behind things or you know well, cool like out to stats about everything. layers down yeah. and I think that um, you know uh, the one thing I thought about when you said uh, cinematography and you're talking about the American Southwest I thought about No Country for Old Men mm-hmm. and like I feel like something as artsy as that is also reflected in a show like breaking bad where they get these shots that are just uncanny as far as like what they represent for that part of our country and like like what you would feel if you lived there for a significant amount of time and they just they also have these shots that are so 
bizarre and from a weird angle and as i said before if you're a person who doesn't know dick about cinematography you can still it's so good that you recognize in the moment that it's something significant and you look at oh like that's Mm -hmm. so interesting how they did that or or telling me something without me being able to articulate it even and just like it's so compelling it's so good yeah and And yeah that's even true like they talk about some of the implausible things, like some of the like chemistry things he does, which aren't real. But even the chemist people are like, hey, that's actually a pretty cool idea. Like, yeah. if you want to make a Hollywood fabrication to something, that's the right way to do it. So, like, you get the okay from people who are like, it's not real, but it's good. Yeah, even, even like, when you talk about the cinematography of it, like, um, I remember when the show was still on, I, I would be, you know, surfing the breaking bad subreddit and there were people who would like pull out like frame by frame of episodes and and like lay them all out so you can just see this like line of color on your screen and it showed how like how like even the shots if you just like zoom out and look at like the color of the shots like the show gets darker and darker and darker are you kidding oh there's crazy stuff like that yeah that's so you know it's funny it's funny that like some of the most beautiful shots are like of the, you know, American Southwest scenery and stuff like that. The show, it was originally supposed to take place in Riverside, California. Ha! Yeah. Uh, uh, that I would definitely think of Riverside before that place in New Mexico when I'm thinking of meth, but <laughs> Hey, I, I yeah. think they landed on a great spot. Anyways, I I'm actually really glad they went where they went because it lends a little more authenticity. You get further outside of like, a Hollywood bubble for the show. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's probably a theme through a lot of our things. We have the, the wire set in Baltimore. You have the Seinfeld stuff was very New York. You have breaking bad in New Mexico and they're very specific slices of American life. Even though it's not in Philadelphia, it's very Philadelphia. There's a yeah. certain like good chunk of people who won't get it or like it because it's got that character to it. So that actually, that actually reminds me, when when we went on a road trip, my wife and I we we stopped at some of the Breaking Bad filming sites, um, <clears throat> and that was really cool. And it it made me think like I've also, you know, taken my picture in front of like the the famous restaurant for Seinfeld. Yeah. Uh, I imagine living yeah. in um, Pennsylvania for a time. Did you ever go to Scranton and see? Are, are there sites oh, to yeah. see? Yeah, yeah, I went to the. I didn't go to the Anthracite Museum, but uh, I did go to the Steamtown Mall. Uh, they actually have some like props and stuff in there. Uh, there's plenty of other sites in Scranton that you can visit and like see things that they talk about. I've uh, so poor Richards, the main pub, is actually a bar in a bowling alley in Scranton, and I bowled with friends there and drank extensively at at poor richard's pub a couple times i also went to cooper's for seafood cooper's is a great seafood restaurant in scranton (laughs) it's really really freaking good so yeah um, yeah like i've definitely hit the spots there when i was living there i I made a point to go to scranton several times to be sure that i got the full scranton experience what about the actual like office building is that that's got to be a real uh, I don't know if there's a real place in Scranton, but they film the entirety of those things. I'm pretty sure almost a hundred percent in Burbank, California. Okay. So, yeah. but uh. they do do some, uh, do do, uh, they do some on location filming in Pennsylvania, but not as much as you would hope. Uh, but I've been to a lot of those locations. There's also nice. a great, uh, a railway museum 
in Scranton. If you're ever I'm visiting. kicking myself because the last time I went to Toronto, I almost like decided to like take you know the subway or something and go to the Kenny versus Spenny house, but I didn't. So ah. that would have been <laughs> tied <laughs> things together hit those for things, man. You regret it no. if you don't. No. What do you got, man? What's number one? I think I know. Well, I think you probably know. And anyone who knows me, which is you know, not much of our listener base, but uh, my favorite show of all time is The Sopranos. Yep. And yep. I will defend it in any way that I have to. I will sing its praises every time like great TV shows come up. For me, the acting in particular. Uh, the performances given by a lot of specific actors from, from Edie Falco and James Vandolfini all the way down to like, uh, like the low level people who play like the goons and the soldiers and the, the families and like the ancillary characters, like, uh, the girl who plays Hunter, the best friend of Meadow, like every person is so not only perfectly cast, but perfectly acted. If you have family or you live on the East coast and like, you know what Jersey's like and all its different facets, you know what New York is like, you know what Philly's like, you know, like that section of the country. It's just such an authentic slice of life. It's written so freaking well. David Chase, like knows a lot about that area. When he created the show, he like, he was pulling from a lot of, uh, personal experience, but also a lot of like researched experience, like uh, uh, researched uh, examples of life in that area, especially when it came to organized crime. And it's just, it, it's definitely a little dated when it comes to where it's set in the nineties, but it, it's still compared to like classic mafia of like the sixties to the eighties. It is such a post heyday of the mafia slice of life. And, and representation of like what mafia actually looks like in the modern day, it has a certain relevance still. I, I watch it almost every year and it, it has a certain relevance still that shows you like a post heyday mafia intermingling with normal society. Like the kids are into normal shit. Uh, the, the son goes to like rock concerts, the, the daughters like dating and trying to like, navigate life while kind of have a feeling before she actually knows that her you know what her father's involved in and just every single aspect to me is perfect and i love watching the show it's so rewatchable there was a lot of flack for the ending which i won't spoil if anyone's still not watched the show but there's some great youtubes that explain the youtube youtubes youtube videos that explain the ending and I actually think the ending is brilliant when you know what's going on. I think the fault of it is, is that you have to like research it to understand it. That's why they really didn't stick the landing when it came to the ending. But yeah, so I was going to show... ask you, you know, you talked about sticking the landing and I remember yeah. at the time that being kind of like a controversial, controversial ending. Yeah. Their um... choice, their choice wasn't the best, but I think that when you look at it in retrospect, you look at it as like, um, as the way they've told the story, the way they bookend it is, is it really makes sense to uh, like the decision they made for the direction they went with the ending. All the things make sense except for the visual understanding of the ending, like how you actually see it happen. It misses like a, a piece or two. And so the ending's not perfect. 
But that being said, so few shows have such a perfect ending that I don't hold it against that. Or uh, I will rarely hold the ending of a show against a show as a viewer and as someone who likes to, you know, armchair critic everything. Uh, I will only add commendations to something if it has a great ending or like in Breaking Bad where they did it pretty well. Uh, It wasn't phenomenal, but it was good. Uh, but the rest of the show for me and like for my interest for Sopranos is just so great that I can forgive a less than perfect ending. Right. And I'm, 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 like I said, I'm kind of, I'm working my way through it right now and it doesn't, even though it's like 20 years old, it doesn't feel dated to me. I mean, the only thing that really stands out is like, okay, you notice like their cell phones are bigger or whatever they have. Or the concert. Yeah. Or like, <laughs> All the strippers have fake tits, you know. Um, but like, or are you just okay with small tits? But it doesn't. It doesn't feel that dated because it's not like technology plays a big part of what they're doing, really. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I think where um, they, some people pull their jeans up is a little bit dated. But a little. Uh, that that is another thing that I like. I didn't want to sing the praises too high, but I think it's like while I feel as dated, it's still like very relevant and like it's not that far removed from present day right even what was like you said 15 20 years ago yeah like 20 years ago i think a while back now i mean but the uh yeah man the 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 casting is unbelievable the acting is unbelievable Mm um i actually kind of crossing over our podcast here um we talked about we both had Tom Segura as one of our funniest people. Um, <laughs> and I listened to his podcast the other day. This, this is not, not the, a, a little while ago, but uh, I'm blanking on the actor's name, but AJ was a guest on. Oh yeah. Uh, his name's Robert. Podcast. Okay. And um, Robert Eiler. He, he was talking about, you know, just going through that. And um, yeah, I mean, well, talked about. It was an, a, a life changing experience for a lot of those actors, even well, the actually, bigger ones. Actually, yeah, him and him and Meadow were both on on the on the podcast, um, and just talking about their experiences and how um, awesome it was to work with James Gandolfini and how hard he had to work um, to be, you know, I mean, he was in like almost every scene basically. Oh hell um, yeah! And you know, it was really interesting. They actually have a podcast that they do together. They've remained like really the two strong. of them. Yeah, yeah. Robert Eiler and Jamie, whatever her name is now, she's been yeah. married. Yeah, Jamie with Lynn Siegler. Lynn right? Siegler. Yeah, well, her I think her last name changed a couple times, but that's well, oh, that's you know good. who her, you know who her uh, father-in-law is. I don't. Lenny Dykstra. What? Yeah. Get the fucking nails is her. Yeah. Father-in-law. Yeah. Get out of here. Yep. Oh man. Well, we got a lot of talk a lot to talk about off uh when we're not recording this because that's yeah that's fucking nuts <laughs> old chewing chewing the cheek lenny dykstra old yeah. nails yeah. good grief yeah. what a way to end the list man talking we Great brought list. it all the way back to lenny dykstra yeah yep brought brought philly back into it for you <laughs> hey those those uh the baseball version of the broad street bullies gotta love it yep all right. Well, this has been a great list. Uh, be sure to follow us on the Twitters and the Facebooks and all the things. You can even find me on uh, the Untapped at at Mad- Matalocalypse 
if you can figure yeah. it out how to spell it. There Any parting shots, Connor? No, man. Gotta, I got I to gotta go watch more TV. Go watch more TV. That's right. the end. See ya. You can subscribe to the We Rank Things podcast on iTunes, so go to iTunes and leave us a rating and review. You and all your friends can also find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can find more info about us on our podcast at WeRankThings.com, and you can let us know what you think about our rankings at WeRankThings on Twitter or at WeRankThingsPodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to the We Rank Things podcast.